welcome to the wicket. Yes, it's time for a new episode of The Wicket, the weekly cricket podcast by Arab News that looks at the latest news and results from around the Middle East, Asia and the world. I'm Brian Murgatroyd and with me today and every week is Arab News uh, columnist John Pike and cricket reporter Sebash Hamagain. Welcome, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Well, we've got a lot to get through uh, this week. Uh, of course, there's the latest on the ICC Cricket World Cup in India. John is there and we'll get his latest impressions on the action. We've got the update from the T20 World Cup qualifier in Nepal and a reflection on the final of the T20 tri-series that preceded it between Nepal and the UAE. Sebash is there and he can update us. We look back on the Bangladesh-Pakistan women's T20 international series in Chattagram and and we look forward to the one-day international series between those two teams in Mirpur. So, as I mentioned, plenty to get through in this episode. So let's get cracking. And uh, we're better to start than the ICC Men's Cricket World Cup. And, well, things seem to have crystallised just a little bit since we were uh, on our last podcast. And, John, I'll start with you, if I may. Are the four semi-finalists locked in now, do you think? India, South Africa, New Zealand and Australia? Or, or can another team crash the party? I don't think they're all four are locked in. Um, I think we can say that India are. Uh, I'd be very surprised if um, if Australia don't get there. They've got England, Afghanistan and Bangladesh play, so uh, I'd expect them to win if not all three, certainly two of those I think. South Africa have been a handy position, they've got New Zealand India and Afghanistan to play so they can afford to lose I think one or even two of those I think the one that's vulnerable is New Zealand they've had two, two successive losses, narrowly of course to India, but um, uh, they, they've been chased a bit by Pakistan who have a, a sort of worse run rate, but um, Pakistan have got New Zealand to play, uh, and they've got England to play. Um, so I think that um, there's a crunch, you know, there's a crunch match New Zealand South Africa, and there's probably even going to be a bigger crunch match, which is New Zealand and Pakistan. So I think until those are done and dusted, it would be unwise to say all four are locked in. Three, yes, um, and I think there's a fourth spot to play for, depending on how those results pan out. Yeah, we'll just uh, date stamp this uh, podcast. We're recording on Wednesday morning. But let's turn to Afghanistan and, and their story just keeps getting better and better. And with three matches to go against the Netherlands, Australia and South Africa, just more one more win, you would think, would lock them into the Champions Trophy for 2025. And what an achievement that would be, Sebas. Yeah, excellent. Uh, in, in between the tournament, they got this news and their form has been excellent. They started off with the England win, and I think the Pakistan win gave them the boost. And against Sri Lanka, they just continue where they left off. And one thing that we have to mention is their team selection. They're playing on their strength. Against Pakistan, we saw Noor making his debut, and he was excellent. Then for the next match, they dropped Noor and brought in Faruqi, and he produced player of the match performance. So I think credit should be given to the backroom staff once again because they've really worked with their team and they're playing brilliantly. 
Yes, I mentioned the Champions Trophy in uh, that last uh, question to uh, you, Sebash, but uh, talking of that Champions Trophy, and what a revelation that was from Shakib Al-Hassan after his side were beaten by the Netherlands, that this tournament is actually the qualifier for that Champions Trophy and only the top eight sides make it to Pakistan in 2025. It means the world champions England could miss out and what a shock that would be for England, John. Well, it would be, but they won't be world champions. I thought it was interesting that that revelation that uh, the England coach, Matthew Mott, said after the India match, he only found out about that um, the element of it an hour and a half before the press conference. So this certainly has been cut to the wire. He seemed to be a bit critical of the ICC's timing on it. Yeah, there's, of course, there is an elephant in the room, which is called India, given that the tournament's in Pakistan. You know, will the situation be uh, one that um, encourages them to go and play there? It's between England, Netherlands and Bangladesh. Uh, at the moment. And I think England-Netherlands match is probably key in, in that. England's run rate is poor. There's another question, which is, does England actually deserve to be there? Um, and certainly on performance this time out, not really. There's fallout seems to be already happening. Howard Milan's already announced his first-class retirement. He's just going to continue playing some T20 and other white ball cricket for money. I don't I suspect there are going to be a few others who follow and you're going to get a very different look in England side in two and four years' time. And the tournament itself it was a, a bit of an ugly duckling. We know it was last played in 2017, and Pakistan beat India, astonishingly, by 180 runs, and uh, featured a certain um, Fakar Zaman, who um, um, appeared this week in, uh, in good form. You know, originally, it was supposed to be a tournament to raise funds for development in non-test countries, Kenya, for example, but um, sort of morphed into a mini uh, mini World Cup. And I, I think it's its future shape, but it does need some looking at. But uh, I don't think that's necessarily going to help um, England next time around if they continue in the same vein. Indeed. Well, that's the Champions Trophy, but let's uh, talk uh, about the here and now, the World Cup. And since our last uh, podcast, we've actually had a couple of thrillers. Pakistan versus South Africa. South Africa getting across the line there by uh, just one wicket in Australia against New Zealand, uh, a match that went right down to the wire to the very last ball. Terrific matches, both of them. What did you make of them? Sebash, first of all, uh, Pakistan's failure to get across the line. Goodness me, that was nail-biting stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, thrillers are something that we didn't see much in this World Cup and Pakistan. They just couldn't finish it with both bat and ball. And batting, I think the 300 would have been easy score. Even 330 was on the horizon at the 40-over mark, but the failure to complete all 50-overs, I think that started the bit. And even bowling, I think bowlers did the bit, but South Africa just held on. Markram and Miller were excellent in the middle. And Samsi and Maras, I must say, at the end, they held on to the nerves. There was some drama with the umpire's call in the DRS as well. But South Africa, I think they're doing something different this time, and they didn't choke at the end. They didn't, and uh, Australia didn't choke as well, despite the uh, pressure they were put under by uh, James Neesham in particular at the back end of that, that match, uh, uh, and uh, Rachin Ravindra with a fantastic 100. John, that's four wins in a row for Australia after they lost their first two matches. Uh, they really have turned things around remarkably, haven't they? Yes, um, not a surprise to me, who um, listened to earlier podcasts. I just have to say that my man, um, Rachin, did it again. It's a pity that um, some of the others couldn't stay with him until um, Nishim um, joined up. 
and I would have expected under another day Nisham to have done rather better with that um, late fall toss. I think Australia would be very relieved, particularly given who the opponents were. They've got Travis Head back, as we've discussed in previous podcasts. I fully expected him to uh, to get in the side, despite what um, Pat Cummins was saying. Stoinis and Green can't get in. There's a strength in depth, and they're getting um, steadily better and better with each match. Indeed. Now, with the top four, presumably, Sebastian, it's a race to avoid finishing fourth and therefore playing India in the semi-final. Because India, let's be realistic, they've been mightily impressive, haven't they? Yeah, the way India is playing, they look like an unstoppable team. The injuries to Hardik Pandya, I think they gave the chance to test the bench and Mohamed Sami has made the most of it. His bowling has been standout, probably the best in the lot at the moment and looks like he's stamping his authority in the starting eleven. Isan Kisan was waiting for his chance and I think India will look at that last matches after their top sport is confirmed. They'll look to give a go, but... Uh, uh, India, they are looking like a team to beat. They are indeed. But, uh, John, you're over there, of course. Uh, what are you looking forward to over the last week or so of the group games? Have you got any specific matchups in mind? Pretty spicy affair between New Zealand and South Africa in Pune. I don't think at this stage of the tournament they come much hotter than that. I'm not going to be going to Ahmedabad again for England and Australia. Um, England have only got pride to pay for, but I think Australia are on such a good wave that they're, they're all, um, they'll go for the jugular. New Zealand and Pakistan, as I mentioned before, is going to be a really pretty vital uh, matchup. And then following that, there's England v um, South Africa, India v South Africa, sorry, which, um, you know, for all we know, might be a rerun of a semi final or even a final. I'm going to um, see England and Netherlands uh, at Pune next Wednesday. Uh, and as we mentioned before, there's a potential place in the Champions Trophy at stake uh, on that particular match. So still some big interest uh, in the um, the last knockings of the group stage. Still um, still some pride and some place um, to play for, for um, um, about five or six of the teams. So that's the uh, the World Cup that we've spoken of. But let's move now to the uh, 2020 World Cup Asia Qualifier. That tournament uh, got underway in Nepal on Monday, the 30th of October. The tournament involves eight teams. That's the hosts, plus Singapore, Oman and Malaysia in Group A, and the UAE, Bahrain, Hong Kong and Kuwait in Group B. As we record this podcast, two days of matches are done and dusted, and it's Group A that's gone to form with Nepal and Oman already in the semi-finals, and all that's to be decided there is which of them will finish top of the group and therefore play the runner-up in the other group. In that other group, Group B, the UAE, they're the only team to have maximum points from two matches, while Bahrain and Hong Kong have one win each, and Kuwait is pointless. The UAE-Hong Kong match is key, really, to determining which side will top that group. The winners of the two semi-finals will be the ones who will go through to the T20 World Cup in the Caribbean and the USA next year. And uh, Subas is at the tournament. First of all, Subas, Oman have probably been the most impressive side so far, haven't they, with uh, two comfortable wins against Malaysia and Singapore? Yes, indeed, uh... Oman, they have been playing brilliantly and I think they have just taken the from from Afghanistan tour and that has given them a lot of boost. In the first match, we saw Jishan Maksud doing it with the bat and the ball. He held on the innings at the start and blew away the death ballers. And they were outclassed in the second innings. And in the second match, Akib Ilyas back from injury 
and he just took the team to the win. He took up that responsibility. And the interesting thing is they're yet to field Kalimullah, the fairly right-hand fast bowler. So they might put him up first against Nepal for that decider for the group top. But Oman, I think they're a team to beat and Nepal and Oman is going to be a great encounter. Well, Nepal won comfortably against Singapore, but they were tested against Malaysia, who got away to a flying start. They were 48 without loss in the first four overs before being reined in. But uh, a good win for Nepal in the end. Yeah, Nepal, they have had a bit, bit bad start at this tournament. Dipendra Sengri out injured after the toss in first match. He'll be a big miss for the team considering his inputs in all three departments. So Nepal has left-arm spinner Lalit injured, Dipendra off-spinner injured. So they're struggling with the spin side. And that's why I think uh, uh, Malaysia made the most out of it, targeting their quicker bowlers who were in form in the tri-series. So Kusal Burtel has opened well and Kusal Malla has been... Brilliant batting in the Asian games and he continued it this time as well. But home team, they're still looking for their options in the bowling department. They've changed a bit uh, and looking forward, I think Lalit Rasbangsi will be risked even with him not being 100% fitter in the next game. In the other group, Sebas, the UAE were tested by Bahrain in their first match, but then won comfortably against Kuwait. Can you see Hong Kong beating them? Yeah, Hong Kong have been inconsistent, but they have personal in so the batting has heavily relied on Barbara Hayat, Ansuman Ross and Martin Kochi. So the team still has got a chance to get to the top four, but we'll need to have another team performance like they did have in the last game of the T20 series group stage. So they have personnel, but I think collective effort is what they're lacking. And since they've not played together for a long, long time, I think uh, Hong Kong will have it tough making it through. Now, Sebastian, we must also mention the fact that the UAE won the Tri-Series final against Nepal ahead of this qualifier. They reached the final of that Tri-Series that also involved Hong Kong with just one win in four matches. But they really did boss the final, didn't they? In, in part, thanks to young left-arm spinner Ian Khan, who flew in to play from the ACC under-19 tournament in Malaysia that we've covered previously on this podcast. That was a great win for the UAE, wasn't it? But how much of a shock was it for Nepal, given they'd been unbeaten going into that final? Uh, more than a shock, I would call it wake-up call for Nepal because they have been heavily reliant on batting and they're used to winning. So I think this was a wake-up call on what are the things they need to improve on. And the main thing being they didn't feel well in the game and that paid the price. Uh, the positives was Kusal Vurtel at the top order getting a half century and he's continued it in this qualifiers as, as well. And for UAE, I think with coach Mudassar Nazar back in the dugout, they look uh, like a different team, the two U19 lads that they have joined. I think they made an impact in that final as well. So UAE, they are on top. Wasim is doing what they, he does the best at top of the order. And another interesting thing is Basil Hamid's comeback, I think, in the 20 series. He showed some glimpse of it. And the last game, I think he finished it, it well. Youngster Ali Nasir has been excellent. He's doing it with the bat, with the ball, even though he's injured a bit. But I think he'll make it fine for the next game. And UAE, I think they're one of the favourites to qualify for the World Cup, and Buddha Sanazar is doing magic with these young lads. Isn't he just? Yes. Uh, John, have things gone as expected so far, as far as you're concerned? I guess, no surprise, Oman have been so impressive after their build-up against 
Afghanistan A, but the UAE seem to have struck some form after that slow start to the Tri-Series. They put together three wins in a row now across the two competitions. I think it's turned out pretty well as uh, as expected. What we've got in prospect are two sort of mouth-watering semi-finals um, with World Cup qualification at stake. We all know that there have been some famous, even infamous, uh, tussles between the UAE and, and Nepal, who um, always seem shocked to lose, especially at home. And um, we will see whether they're going to get shocked again. But uh, I would guess that UAE and, and Nepal are going to, going to get through. Of course, if the UAE beat Hong Kong, I think that's going to allow uh, Bahrain to sneak into the semi-finals, and they're probably the least strong of those um, those four teams. So, yeah, pretty well. Pretty well as expected. I think if there are going to be any shocks, then they're, they're about to happen. Sebastian, prediction time from you. How do you see things going? Yeah, I think, uh, like John mentioned, Nepal and UAE are the favourites, but the group winners will not only play the runners-up, but they'll continue to play in the same ground they've been playing in. And it's a huge advantage considering the nature of surface and the crowd in Seoul. Nepal are obviously favourites in TU ground against Oman, and I think they'll make it to the semis and beyond. Uh, with UAE, I think they look to continue the form in Mulpani ground and we might have uh, another Nepal versus UAE final. This time, obviously, both teams in festive atmosphere with that World Cup bus confirmed. Absolutely. Well, we've got that to look forward to. And uh, Sebastian, I know you'll uh, keep across that for us and uh, bring us all the latest news on the next podcast. In the meantime, let's talk about uh, Bangladesh against Pakistan, the women's series that's going on. As we record this podcast, we're between uh, formats in the battle between those two teams. The 2020 International Series is over and Bangladesh won that one, 2-1 in Chattagram, thanks to impressive victories in the first two matches of the series. Those two successes, just the third and fourth times they've beaten Pakistan in 20 matches in the format. That really is uh, a statement of intent from them. Subash, how much of a shock was it that series win for Bangladesh against Pakistan, do you think? More than a shock, I'd like to term it as elevation of Bangladesh women's cricket team in terms of quality. Uh, they've improved a lot in the last one over, not just with the performance, but have results to show it for it too. Uh, they've competed well against India in bilateral series and won a match each in ODI and T20I series. They tied the decider against India in ODIs to save the trophy, uh, which we saw didn't go well with the Indian side. And even in the Asian games, they beat Pakistan to win the bronze and just continue with their runner form at home, making three in a row against Pakistan. Yeah, that is uh, an impressive uh, run of results, as you say, uh, Subhash. But now, of course, the attention is turning to the One Day International Series in Mirpur. And the three matches in that series are on the 4th, the 7th and the 10th of November. And they all form part of the ICC Women's Championship. Now, the importance of the matches is that wins mean points in that championship. A 10-team series with only the top five plus hosts India securing direct entry into the next Women's Cricket World Cup. That's in 2025 while those below the line will have to battle it out in the qualifier. Pakistan are currently fourth in that women's championship, but they have played more matches than most of the sides below them, while Bangladesh are eighth. So those ODIs to be played in Mirpur will be of huge significance to both sides. John, I know we've already spoken about the issue of the Champions Trophy qualification in the men's game, but this type of jeopardy in the women's championship, it has to be good for uh, the sport, doesn't it? Yes, I agree with that. Looking at the um, the latest table and the bottom four teams 
uh, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, West Indies and Ireland. We know that each team plays eight three-match series for home and, and four away. I think that sort of competition can only help to, to raise standards. As you mentioned, each team so far played um, a different number of matches, so the the uh, league positions are um, a little bit false, and we won't know until the cycle is completed um, just um, you know, who the strongest uh, strongest members are. But uh, I think that there's, it, it has raised the profile of the women's game, and um, and it also raises raises standards. So all for it. Yes, maybe the men's game has got something to learn from uh, the way <laughs> the women's game goes about things. But let's look ahead now to what the next week has in store. There's obviously the ICC Men's Cricket World Cup going on. The semi-finalists should uh, almost certainly be confirmed by this time next week. And we'll know who's heading to the USA and the Caribbean for the men's ICC T20 World Cup next year as well. There's also that Bangladesh-Pakistan women's ODI series. That'll be underway by the uh, next time we record a podcast. But in addition to that, it's also worth adding that the UAE's own T20 league, the ILT20, is set to announce its fixtures for Season 2 on Friday, November the 3rd. And we'll bring you all the details of that the next time we uh, chat on the podcast as well. In the meantime, well, what has the next week got in store from your perspectives, gentlemen, World Cup or otherwise? John, I'll start with you. As I mentioned, I've got um, a big match today. Um, I've got another one in Pune next Wednesday. And I think another one the following week in, in, in Pune, probably of less significance. So those are ones that I'll be be watching and commenting on. I had um, another, I wouldn't say enjoyable experience of collecting tickets today for uh, the matches in, in Pune. Do make it rather difficult for people. This uh, uh, meant from my hotel, it was a two-hour round trip to find the, the box office. There was a, a, a queue had formed, which was controlled by, by policemen, um, but it was a bit of a free-for-all inside. And then to cap it all, the... Um, uh, the internet went down so that the printer stopped working. All in all, in hot weather, in a big city with lots of traffic, I would have thought that there, there could have been some better arrangements made, even allowing for the almost neurotic attitude they have towards um, people securing tickets that they haven't actually um, ordered and purchased themselves. So just on a note for people who, who may be um, going to matches over the next um, week or so, um, if you haven't already had that experience, then make sure that you contact um, Book My Show, which is the outsourced agency dealing with this, to find out where to collect the tickets from because they've been sadly lacking, certainly as far as non-Indian businesses are concerned, in um, to communicate where those are. You have to do the legwork yourself to find out. So um, not very ideal by any account. Yes, uh, you're not the first person to to comment on the nature of uh, the ticketing for this tournament, and I'm sure there'll be a little bit of fallout uh, once the tournament's done and dusted uh, with regards uh, to that. Sebash, you're obviously across the, the T20 World Cup qualifier in Nepal, and it really is boiling up beautifully there, isn't it? You, you must be uh, really uh, looking forward to the next few days. Obviously, we'll have two big semi-finals, which are more important than the title decider, which will follow here in Nepal. 
Uh, after that, all focus at the business end of the Cricket World Cup in Never India. Oh, will the host repeat the 2011 story or will there be an anti-climax to the Indian dream is what I'll be looking forward to in the next week. Yes, uh, we've got all that to look forward to as the uh, the Cricket World Cup moves towards its conclusion. Just over two weeks to go in that tournament as we record this podcast. Well, that's us done and dusted for another episode. And thanks for joining us at The Wicket. We'll be back soon with more cricket chat from the Gulf region, Asia and worldwide. Please don't forget to like, subscribe and comment on what you've heard wherever you get your podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback and let us know if there's anything you'd like us to feature in future episodes. For now, though, this is Brian Murgatroyd, along with John Pike and Sebastian Hummergain, saying thank you very much for listening and we look forward to your company again next time.